What's up, everybody? It's Ade, and listen, we're Living Corporate is partnering with the Coalition of Black Excellence, like some of you may know. Uh, Coalition of Black Excellence is a nonprofit organization based in California, um, and we're bringing a special speaker series to promote CBE Week, which is an annual week-long event designed to highlight excellence in the black community, connect black professionals across sectors, and provide opportunities for professional development and community engagement that will positively transform the black community. This special series is um, one wherein we will spotlight movers and shakers who will be speakers during CBE Week. Today we have with us Dr. Roche Brown. Um, Dr. Roche Brown is a uh, side D. I, I don't <laughs> I don't know too many of those. Congratulations on your awesomeness. A, oh, licensed, a licensed clinical psychologist based out in California. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Most certainly, most certainly. So, um, like I, I mentioned before, we're just gonna have uh, a conversation. We're great fans of mental health, um, mental wellness on this show. Um, and it's so great to, to meet and speak to um, other proponents who are not just, you know, talking to the talk, but walking the walk in a lot of ways. What brought you to um, becoming a mental health professional? So I became a mental health professional um, mainly because of my background in my childhood. Um, there was a lot of um, dysfunction within like my family um, and also my community with um, with violence and substance abuse um, and you know lack of communication as is always in most families. And um, so actually at a very young age, um, when I was about 14 years old, I actually decided that I wanted to be called a doctor to and I wanted to be able to help people. People were already telling me about their their lives and I was like I can do this and so at a very young age I had already placed in my mind that I was going to become a doctor of some sort either a pediatrician and so I began to um, figure out you know what the steps were to become a mental health professional um, or either one of those professions actually Um, so I ended up going to Xavier University um, which is um, an HBCU so it's historical black college in New Orleans and by going to that um, university, it was all about placing African-Americans into medical school. And so there was like, that's when I really understood black excellence to a whole nother level. Um, just being around so many people who were at the top of their classes that were actually there. And um, so I, I went through that process and on uh, as, as uh, with my major being psychology pre-med initially, um, I enjoyed psychology and actually from there um, continued to go into grad school instead of going the medical school route. That's, that's amazing. Um, for one, your tenacity, uh, you, you were in, in school from 2001 to, to, to how long? I, I graduated actually in 2009. Holy God. Yeah, well, it was a long time. You know, I understand that's a long time in school, but in the grand scheme of things from like the way that my life was, I actually was done with my degree at 25 years old, which is very young. And I was had my doctor, had my master, my bachelor's, my bachelor's and my doctor um, by that point. Like my 26th birthday was like, happy 26th birthday, Dr. Roche Brown. Wow, that's um, incredible. Yeah, so it was awesome. I mean, so even though it it took some time, I was so used to school that it was a lot easier compared to people who would take a break right. and then. Yeah, you just went straight through. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Um, what What are some of the biggest 
I don't know, um, what were some of the, the biggest issues that you dealt with kind of pushing your way through school? I know that you said from a young age you kind of made a decision about the path that you wanted, but did you ever um, come across any obstacles in your education? How'd that go for you? Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, you know, I, I went to school, you know, out of, um, I mean, in a whole other world, right? Like going to New Orleans, coming from California. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I did get a good group of people who were around me. And so that part was great. Um, however, you know, like I said, that I was um, pre-med initially. And um, one big challenge, which is kind of an interesting challenge that most people wouldn't think of, but um, one big challenge was mostly like the MCAT, which MCAT is the test that you take to get into medical school. And the part that was hard for me was actually kind of growing up in, um, you know, in the hood, in the community. I was so used to more than anything, um, not having to, uh, um, I didn't have to read that much in, in, in life make me read I wasn't a person who liked reading like it, it was very very difficult for me and 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 post, most people wouldn't think so because I did well in school it wasn't like it was so difficult where I couldn't uh, excel but it was difficult when it came down to the MCAT because it was all of those like reading comprehension um uh tasks you ever have like on SATs or anything yeah. like that yeah. little pass and they wanted me to comprehend and I was like oh lord I got ADD I know I do like this I cannot focus for this long it was like eight hour test um and I just could even when they were asking me certain questions that I could know the answer to because the way in which they were asking it it was very difficult for me um I took a lot of prep courses and in the process of taking those prep courses, when they translated it for me, I was good to go. Like when they translated, I was like, oh, I know the answer to that. But I was I had a difficult I had difficulty with translating it on my own. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah. So it was really hard for me to and it, so that even when they were asking me about biology and chemistry questions, physics questions, all of those things had reading passages. And that's where I really struggled. And so I ended up going through school doing pretty well. Like my GPA was fine. I had like a 3.5 or or more. So I was doing well, but I got to that place where it was time to like apply to medical school. And my MCAT scores were just not like really making the, making the cut. Mm -hmm. And a lot of it had to do with just really just poor reading comprehension in the fact that I wasn't like in a school or I wasn't in a in kind of like a family environment in a household that really encouraged reading. Right. Yeah. Um, that 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 makes a ton of sense, and I could absolutely see the the repercussions. Um, you mentioned that you you struggle with um, a learning disorder. How do you? How does that, how does that affect? Well, how did that affect your 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 education journey, and how does it affect you now? Well, um, and, and I don't know specifically if it's a learning disorder. It's never been diagnosed as a learning disorder at all. Um, but it's a lot of, it's more about me attending to things. Like I just don't um, stay long enough to pay attention um, to, to, you know, the words and everything for reading comprehension. Mm-hmm. And so it's always, um, I, it, it, it didn't, it probably was always a, a struggle throughout school, but I never noticed it until that point. 
Um, and then currently, um, with me being an entrepreneur and the aspect of being an entrepreneur, you really want to read as much as you can. You want to read Think and Grow Rich and How to Win Friends and Influence People, all these like great um, books that are going to just motivate you and inspire you to be better and um, push yourself. It's always a struggle for me to sit down and focus in order to even read those types of books um, because I, my mind goes all kind of different places. Um, so I want the information in the book, but sitting down and having to read it can be very difficult. Even to, even to this day, like I still would say, I just like reading. <laughs> even though I don't want to say that, but I'm gonna make my book reports and everything. I'm just gonna make them love it. I, I totally get that. I get that. Um, so, what impact? Just kind of to pivot a bit and, and talk a little bit more about your your career as a health as a mental health care professional. Um, what impact has? Um, I guess your background coming from Oakland, um, going to illustrious uh, HBCU in Louisiana. What has that, how has that added to your um, practice? It's added a lot. Um, you know, when I first started in school, you know, considering that I was so young, right? I was, I was 21, 22. Most people in my class were like um, in their 30s. And so I felt like I um, felt like I was like an imposter. Like, how did I get into grad school? Right. Um, how did they accept me? You know, and feeling like I just didn't have enough life experience initially in order to do the work that I was doing. Um, so initially, it was like a struggle to um, to um, just to be to to try to do therapy. Um, but then after some time, after I would say like after I graduated, maybe around 26, 27, coming into my own as, a, as just a woman in general and having had a lot more experience in, the, in it, I started realizing like my background of life experience is actually what's really helping me because I, the, the places that I was working, I was working in, in um, you know, urban communities. I was working in Richmond. I was working in Oakland. I was working um, in, uh, in, in, in communities that were very ultimately the same community that I grew up in. And so I realized that the way to build rapport and the way to build connection um, was really by utilizing what I already knew, the stuff that was even outside of grad school. It was just knowing um, even just practical skills that I had learned on my own. Um, I learned how to navigate certain worlds. You know, I learned how to um, even just, well, I guess we can say code switch, but I learned how to navigate in um, the community, but I also learned how to navigate when I was in professional settings. Mm -hmm. And because I was able to do that, it really worked very well for me to build the best relationships with my clients. Um, and then also I served as a role model, even unintentionally, that you can be something better. So like even the idea of just striving for excellence the way that I saw my clients was like, you can be have a doctor degree, no matter what. Like I see your skill, wh where you are right now and what family circumstances you come from. I have expectations of you to get a doctorate if that's what you desire. Mm -hmm. I don't have lower expectations like um, some of my, um, I would say my white counterparts with often sometimes feel is like, well, at least they're coming. I'm like, no, your expectation needs to be a lot higher um, for them. Great, great. Um, I I'm so glad you, you said that because um, I've heard a lot the conversation around the danger of um, lowered expectations and um, how important it is to kind of expect better of yourself. Um, yes. And I, I imagine that it is much easier to do so 
when you are surrounded by by people who are doing the same. Yes. Um, definitely. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 just definitely. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, so tell us about, um, speak a little bit more about um, kind of your practice and how you, um, any suggestions that you might have for young professionals who are navigating their way um, and kind of noticing a decline in their mental wellness. So um, I think you mentioned something really good on the, uh, the, the last the last point of like, just like the level of surrounding yourself <laughs> um, by good people. I think that's um, always the, the biggest thing, right? So I would say number one, surround yourself by the right people. Um, I have, a, have an acronym that I often um, talk to people about and it's called check your pace. And what it means is like, you know, have you ever noticed like when you've been physically walking with someone and um, that person maybe start walking slower or they're just, you know, maybe they're unhealthy, out of shape and you find yourself kind of like slowing down your pace in order to stay connection with them. And then um, vice versa, like um, versus you end up going with somebody who's walking fast, they super healthy and you're like, oh, my God, I'm trying to keep up with you. And if we can physically do that, like unconsciously take on the pace of the person that we're walking with in a physical way, we ultimately do that mentally and spiritually and socially and um, financially, right? That, you know, we'll take on just kind of the energy of the people that are around us without even paying attention that we're doing so. Right. so I just believe that it's so important um, when we're in this like just levels of being professionals or wanting to strive for excellence that we first like the first um, part of pace is P is check your the P check your the people that you're around right because the, you are the average of the five people that you're around the most right so you want to check where is their money like you know what I mean where is their career like you know what kind of degrees do they have what's happening around them uh, around them is going to be a reflection on what's going to ultimately happen with you um, and then also, I think um, when it comes down to uh, people, you also want to check what's all the, I call the A, the A part of pace is alignment. Like, who are you aligning yourself with? And alignment to me is more vertical, like, you know, um, who's doing better than you <laughs> in your world, um, significantly better than you. You want to make sure you're aligning that person, aligning with that person who's making good money. If you're like making 50,000 and you want, and you want to make six figures, you need to be around a six figure earner, right? Um, you six figure earner and you want to make a quarter of a million dollars. You need to be around somebody who's making a quarter of a million dollars because there's no way for me to get there. If I'm not around somebody who's actually, um, showing me the habits that's necessary, the skills that are necessary to get there. Right. So I have to be like in alignment with somebody that's even doing better than me in certain areas. Um, so I believe that that's, um, another area. Um, the C part of pace is choices. Um, and so you want to check every single choice that you make, right? And I, I was just actually at specifically um, this thing, um, this lady named Renee Blewett. She's um, just did a documentary called She Did That. And it was um, talking about um, black women entrepreneurs. And um, what came out in that a lot was the level of not, uh, <coughs> excuse me, of, not, uh, of self-care and not practicing self-care you know, having that like superwoman type of complex, like I can do it all, I can do all the 
everything, you know, like I can do family life. I can be, I can do everything in my career and not even outsource it. And I'm, I'm taking on too much. Right. And I, I know I've been there. I, I, I live in that space a little bit now still, right. Where I haven't really figured out a way to release all control over what's necessary in my, um, in my business. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, it's, it's creating a level of stress. And I think that we're just so used specifically within our community, I would say, we're always so used to juggling so much. Right. Uh, so mental health thing, we need to learn how to take breaks. We need to learn how to like, you know, um, do even just mindfulness breathing. I'm all about mindfulness. And I, I often tell people, even if you think it's weird, start with just five deep breaths. <laughs> You know, we should like have five deep breaths, like into our nose, holding it and breathing out. Um, in our community, we know how to, you know, breathe in and well, not in just in black communities, but all communities, clearly because now it's legal. People know how to breathe in and hold, right? Like that's, mm-hmm. that's part of something that they do. <laughs> but there's a way to do that without needing a product or an assistant. You can actually just learn the, the power of just breathing in like, you know, life force and then being able to like hold it and then breathe out just kind of the waste and toxins that are in our body um and even just you know negativity and be able to learn how to like you know to think more clearly like where what's my next move versus us just kind of going 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 and going and so that that's a a level of just to see so kind of checking your choices so i'm all over the place but that's a part of my um checking your pace the c part is just check your choices what choices are you making and are they making you get towards your goal or away from your goal and are you taking care of yourself in the in that process um and the e part of pace is um expectations like what are you what are you expecting from your life um because whatever we expect in our lives we will manifest in our lives um things that we expecting unconsciously or even consciously we need to really pay attention. What is happening? What am I bringing into my life? You know, people call law of attraction or whatever um, it may be, but you know, what am, what's always coming into my life that I dislike and how am I on accident and um, unintentionally bringing it into my life? So I kind of check your expectations. Yeah, that is, I, I really love to like follow up with that so that we can have um, a quick write-up for our, our listeners, but that, that was a great, um, framework for kind of understanding your your mental health and and taking charge of that. Uh, Thank you for sharing it. Um, Is there anywhere that, or do you have um, any material that we can follow up with with that part? Or anything that you would like to um, share or plug? Um, Yeah, I mean, I guess you, uh, people definitely can go to my website. my business name is Dr. Rethinking. And so my biz, uh, my website is drrethinking.com. And that's, that's D-O-C-T-O-R-O-F-R-E-T-H-I-N-K-I-N-G. So drrethinking.com. And, um, so, you know, on there you can get information about, you know, how to like end up doing like coaching with me um, or doing, uh, you know, it can be therapy as well. Um, I'm in a more state of more solution focused levels where we kind of visit the past, but we don't stick in the past as much as what therapy does um, anymore. Um, and then also I do financial coaching because I've come to realize that there's definitely like a psychology to the way that people spend and save their money. And so you can also go on there and be able to get information around like the financial area and even setting up an appointment with me for us to, uh, you know, 
maybe meet and check and get educated on finances. What should you do next with your finances? Um, and see what kind of solutions that are out there that might be helpful. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point. Um, I know that for quite a few, uh, in my circle of, of the people in my circle, um, a lot of our stress is, is financial. Um, being, you know, kind of the first person in your family to be a professional or the first person in your family to um, make it, as it were, um, is a burden. Like, it's a blessing, but it's also a, 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 bless- a burden in, in a lot of ways. And so, um, just finding out ways to develop healthy relationships with your finances um, cuts out that of, of, <laughs> of the stress yeah. that you might experience. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. I mean, when you're the first person in your family to even be making money, and everybody around you, right, never knew how to like um, manage theirs. <laughs> then now you have a lot of it, and you're mismanaging yours because you don't understand how to manage your money, right? Um, and you may even have a lot of emotions tied to the, your money, and then you also have family expectations right. that are tied to your money, right? And how do you um, set boundaries that are correct? Um, I give you like just kind of a, it's a simple example, but. When I was, um, I used to work with foster youth, and I used to work with work with them in the community. And um, my client, her her mom was a substance abuser, and um, I had substance abusers in, within my family as well. And she had she just got her first job, right? And she was like, um, my mom always asks me for my money. What do I do? And like for me, I know like coming from the community, I couldn't just tell her don't give her nothing. You know, it doesn't really work like that. It doesn't work in families to just say, I'm not giving, I'm giving you zero. Right. But I do believe that you should have a budget in mind of what you're planning on or are willing to give to your family. If that's, you know, cause that's kind of how it works. I mean, I, I have, to, I know that I'm going to have to give them something. Um, but if I don't pay attention to what I'm giving them, I'll give them too much. Right. right. And so um, what I often, uh, what I told her, and I think it's the same, even as we get older, is I told her like, you know, put your real money, like if you have a hundred dollars, you know, you might want to put 90 of it in one pocket and then the 10 in the other pocket. And then when your mom says, oh, I need something, you pull out the 10 and say, this is all I have. So hopefully she'll only want to take five. Compare you pulling out the 90, <laughs> she'll need all 90, you know? Um, because she'll think that you're in overflow. And I feel like that's the same type of concept that even as we get older and we start to have more money, that you have an idea of what I'm willing to pull out for my family um, so they don't end up taking my all. And I'm finding myself in, in, in debt and you know poor credit and all this kind of stuff because I'm always bailing them out, right? And I'm ultimately bailing out irresponsibility. I'm never really teaching them the skills to be better I'm just, they're irresponsible and I'm just going to keep on helping their responsibility and they're going to always need me, right? And so I need to figure out like, what's the best way that I could, you know, bless them and, you know, all of that, but also make sure that I'm still doing right, what's right for me and um, my future. Right. Um, that, that was perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, mm-hmm. We've kind of reached the, the end of our, our planned conversation for today. But if okay. there's anything else, any other wisdom that you, you'd like to share for um, young black professionals, we're just kind of figuring it out on our own. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 
it, it's it's a process <laughs> is all I would say. Um, I, and, and I feel like every single step of the way, um, you, you know, you just got to get help. You got to get support when you need to. Um, I recently just this is my own personal journey is I, I've been saying that um, you need to break up with your old self and you have to break up with your old self like daily, <laughs> like, you know. Um, and so I would say, like, um, so for me, I feel like there's always um, there's a part of you that's kind of holding you back um, at times. And it could be based on whatever your personal experiences, child experience, backgrounds and everything like that. But some things are always holding you back. And so you have to kind of get to a place where like, hmm, how do I like break up with that? part of myself that's not really like serving me anymore you know maybe it served me when I was younger but it's not serving me now um and I need to really think about that a little bit how do I like how do I go through the process of breaking up with myself um and 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 moving into my my new better excellent self like a a upgrade <laughs> um to myself on a regular basis and it could be simple things it could be breaking up with like self-doubt right it can be um breaking up with like your fears um breaking up with insecurities um you know breaking up with poor habits um a lack of discipline you know all of those things because those things are really holding you back from what your greatness and um and, I, and like i say i noticed it in myself right and and though other people outside of me can be like oh you're awesome you're doing this you're killing the game but you know what you're capable of right and so sometimes you know that there's more that that you could that you can pull forth and you're not pulling it forth. And so you kind of have to find times just like oh, I got to break up with this part. Like I like when I lack discipline, when I don't want to wake up, when I want to be a little lazy, like, no, get up. You have to do this um, because like there's a better you that's out there and and the world is going to miss out on that person if you don't, um, you know, don't get out of your own way, basically. Right. Yeah, no, that was um, amazing to hear, and I'm probably gonna write down, break up with yourself. Some things that and put them in my workspace. Um, that that for one, it's important to know that you're not the only one having certain experiences, right? So when you said that um, there were things that have served you in the past that no longer apply or no longer fit into this new new world you're in. Um, I can't tell you how hard <laughs> I relate to that. Um, and, and even further, that there are people overcoming those circumstances. It was, you know, that that path has been walked before. Yes. <laughs> it's, it's good to know, good to hear, um, and very, very useful. Well, I want to thank you so much. Dr. Brown for joining us, for um, spending time with us today, and for, for sharing your wisdom. Uh, it's been helpful in a ton of ways, and uh, I, I just want to know if you have any favorite things or any shout-outs, anything that you'd like to share with our listeners before we go. Um, I don't know, just continue. I, I often say, like, you know, don't be ordinary when you can throw some extra on it, you know? Um, and be <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I like, you know, so I'm all about throw some extra on it. So what is that little extra that you need to do? Um, I have no idea what I'm going to be talking about specifically during the CBE week. So maybe some of these same concepts might come up again. Um, don't be mad at me. You might need it again, though, at that point. Um, but it's just I'm all like we always have to do a little extra. So go ahead and put some extra out there and be like the best 
you that you were designed and destined to be. That's awesome. Thank you. All right. Um, that does it for us. Thank okay. you for joining us um, on the Living Corporate Podcast, everybody. Um, do make sure to follow us on Instagram at Living Corporate, on Twitter at Living Corporate underscore pod, and subscribe to our newsletter through www.living-corporate.com. If you have a question you'd like us to answer and we don't show, please make sure you email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. This has been our day, and you've been listening to Dr. Brown. Peace. Living Corporate is a podcast by Living Corporate LLC. Our logo was designed by David Dawkins. Our theme music was produced by Ken Brown. Additional music production by Antoine Franklin for Musical Elevation. Post-production is handled by Jeremy Jackson. Got a topic suggestion? Email us at livingcorporatepodcast at gmail.com. You can find us online on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and living-corporate.com. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned.